0: Philippians 3, 7 through 14. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish. In order that I may gain Christ and be found in him for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. The word of the Lord.
1: Have you ever had a day that was so good you didn't want it to end? You know what I'm talking about, right? One of those moments in life where everything just seems so ideal and so perfect and so agreeable, you found yourself wishing that time would stand still. I I know for me that moment of time would have been this past summer. I had a great summer. Our our family spent many an evening just hanging out at the neighborhood pool, enjoying each other's company and having fun with friends, and I didn't want the good times to end. But Labor Day weekend came and went, bringing with it the unofficial end of summer, and now there's a big pile of leaves in my front yard reminding me that, that time marches on. That seasons come and seasons go and, and time stops for no man. To borrow the lyrics from a Ben Fold song, life barrels on like a runaway train. And as much as we might like the ability to pause time or to slow down time or to control time in some way, you know, capturing time is a lot like trying to hold water in your hands. You just you can't do it. It it keeps on slipping. And there might be times when uh, we can kind of like forget about time, but we can never really escape time. Time is always there, and its tenacious pull is always moving us forward. And the question I want all of us to consider this morning is how should we live in light of this reality? How should we live knowing that time is the moving current in which we live? Well, I think it might be helpful for us to consider a biblical metaphor. The Apostle Paul in in the New Testament, he likens life, the race of life, to to a race. He calls it the race of life. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, towards the end of that chapter, I'm going to paraphrase here, but he says, All of us are are, are running the race of life. And And the question isn't are you enrolled in that race? Uh, By virtue of of your birth, you're already a participant. The, The question is, how are you running your race? How are you running your race? And I would submit to you that in the race of life, there are three kinds of runners. The first type of runner is a person we'll call the disgruntled runner. So in the race of life, this individual is stuck. They're not interested in what's ahead they might be moving forward, but they're doing so with their eyes glued to the rearview mirror. If you've seen the movie Napoleon Dynamite, guess who represents the disgruntled runner? Uncle Rico, right? So Uncle Rico, you know, back in 82, I could throw a pigskin a quarter mile, right? He goes on to say that, you know, if, if only Coach would have put me in fourth quarter, we would have been what? State champions, no doubt. And then things would be different, and uh, I would have gone pro, and I'd be living in a mansion, and I'd be hanging out in the hot tub with my soulmate. And then he, he turns to Kip, and he says, Kip, I reckon you know a lot about time travel. And uh, and then uh, he he, uh, he he goes on the internet and he buys this like time travel machine and uh, and you know it, it's kind of funny, but it's sad at the same time, isn't it? That here's this guy instead of looking to what's ahead, he just keeps wanting to turn back. The, the disgruntled runner in the Bible, I think, is exemplified by the nation of Israel. So God has just delivered these people from slavery in Egypt, and he's he's parted the Red Sea for them, and he's leading them through the desert to the promised land, and what do the people do? They grumble. They complain. They say longingly, oh, re- remember the fish that we had to eat in Egypt and, and the melons and the cucumbers and the leeks and the onions? Like, instead of looking forward, these people are looking back. They can't see the new thing that God's wanting to do in their lives. They can't see the new blessing that God's wanting to unfold as they step forward in faith. And here's what I want you to know. I'm not trying to, like, minimize any of the awesome things that might have happened in your past or any of the painful things either. I'm not saying that stuff is unimportant. All I'm saying is that we shouldn't live our lives oriented on the past because here's why. The person of faith knows That the arc of human history is bending towards the return of Jesus Christ and the restoration of all things. And so the person of faith can say, like, God, in this moment right now, I I really don't like, don't think there's much in store for me, but here's what I know. That if you're in this, that if you're standing beside me, that if you're with me, then you're going to work out all things for my good. Amen? The person of faith can say that I'm going to forget everything that's behind, And cast off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and I'm gonna fix my eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of my faith. And so the person of faith, yeah, the person of faith can say, here's what I know Jesus, if you endured temporary suffering for me, then I know that you can grant me eternal blessing. That if you died for me, that you're not done with me. And that if you have the power over death, then I know that you also have the power to make sure none of your good plans for my life get thwarted. And that if you're going to make sure that I get to be in your presence, then here's what I know. That my future state is going to be far more abundantly beyond all I can ask or think. And so here's what I'd say. If you're struggling in the race of life right now as a disgruntled runner, I'd encourage you to pray 1 Corinthians 2.9. Just say, God, would you help me to understand, help me to fully comprehend what it is that you've prepared for those of us who love you?" Well, in the race of life, there's also a second kind of runner. So if the disgruntled runner is looking back, we've got also a distracted runner. Guess where the distracted runner's looking? All around. He, he might be on there on the race course, but he is chasing butterflies. Instead of training his eyes on the finish line, this person allows their eyes and energy to wander. They might be running at full speed still, but they're heading in the wrong direction. They, they get, they, they've straight off course. If you've seen the movie Up, guess who the distracted runner reminds me of? Yeah. Doug the dog. What happens anytime Doug sees something that might resemble a squirrel? Yeah, he completely loses focus, right? And we can shake our heads at uh, Doug's limited attention span. But I can't help but wonder if sometimes God does the same thing with us. I can't help but wonder if God does something similar when we say, okay, we walk out a Sunday morning or we come off a retreat and we say, God, I want to live for you. I want you to be first in my life. And then a couple days go by and it's like, ooh, look at this. Look look over here. And, and we all of a sudden, we, we take our best energy and we devote it to pursuing like, you know, another promotion or some travel sport or another hobby or more money or season tickets or, you know, better vacations. And then we say, God, well, you know, you, you know how busy I am right now. And You know, I'd like to do that small group, or I'd like to go on that mission trip, or I'd like to do that Bible study, but uh, now's not the time because I'm really busy. And we say, God, you know, I'd like to get more involved, but you you know all the trips I have planned for the fall. I think it might be better if I I waited until later. And here's what I want you to know. I, I am not discounting the importance of living a balanced life. I think that's really important. But my my question would be, does, does our calendar reflect the fact that we're really that busy? Or does it reveal that we're distracted? Here's my hunch. Here's what I think that, you know, maybe for some of us in our quest to live these, like, super productive lives, that it's our busy calendars that are the very thing that are gonna hinder us from living fruitful lives. Because there's a difference between being busy and being fruitful. And sometimes being busy might just mean that we're distracted. It might just mean that we're chasing squirrels. Let me frame it like this. What what if, uh, if Warren Buffett decided to sponsor a half marathon, and because he can, he just said, you know, everybody that crosses the finish line is gonna get a, ha- a million dollars, J- just for doing that. And, uh, and you and I, we managed to register before the thing sold out, and we decided we were gonna run this race together. And uh, we we're about a mile in, and I'm like, oh, look down that side street over there, you know? Like, I-, I think I see a library. Maybe we should go check it out. And then, you know, I was looking at the race route, and a mile two, you know what? We're gonna go buy a movie theater. Maybe we could go in, and we could watch the new Adam Sandler movie. Like, if you were my friend, you probably like smack me upside the head, right? you say, like, no, like listen let's let's focus on the goal let's concentrate on crossing the finish line and winning the prize because like it's going to be far better than any Adam Sandler movie, right you know there's a there's a distracted runner in the New testament it 's a guy by the name of Demas. Demas had traveled with Paul on some of his missionary journeys, and when Paul wrote Philemon, he, he honors demas, he says uh, he, he refers to him as a fellow worker. But it turns out that Demas became a distracted runner because in Paul's final letter, which is Second Timothy, Paul says this, Demas, in love with this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Now, Paul isn't saying here that Demas rejected the faith. Rather, he's saying that the temporal pleasures of this world held greater sway over his life. When we we steward our finite time in such a way that we devote our best energy to trivial things, and then we try and shoehorn in the things of God, guess what happens? It hinders our ability to run the race of life well. Blaise Pascal, he put it like this. He said, we run carelessly to the precipice after we have put something before us to prevent us seeing it. Here's what he means by that, that all of us are headed for a precipice. Our time on this earth is going to come to a close. But, But rather than us living with the realization that death is on the horizon, what most of us do is we put something in front of us that distracts us from this reality. We live for a few TV shows at the end of the day and a couple of hobbies and some weekend getaways and a nice vacation once a year. And we find ourselves talking with our friends, not about Jesus, but, you know, about how deep the Panthers might go in the playoffs or what new movies are out there. And I want you guys to know something. I know that I'm preaching to myself just as much as I'm preaching to all of you because this is the thing I struggle with. I know that I'm the distracted runner. It is so easy for me to take my eyes off of what's ahead And to think about all the stuff that's going on around me, the the, just these these fleeting things that are here today and gone tomorrow. And here's how I would encourage all of us that are the distracted runners. We need to pray the prayer that Moses prayed in Psalm 90. It goes like this: God, teach me to number my days that I may get a heart of wisdom. God, teach me to number my days that I may get a heart of wisdom and and live with the recognition that there's a precipice on the horizon. Now, in the race of life, there is a third kind of runner. This is the individual we might call the devoted runner. These are the people who have their eyes fixed on what's ahead and the prize that's awaiting them for running well. They are living very purposed, intentional, future-oriented lives. This person's life is reflective Of what we read in Philippians chapter 3. In verse 7, Paul writes this. He says, But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I might help me out here. What does it say? Gain Christ. Gain Christ. You know, sometimes it's the people that have the most in this present life that have the hardest time living for the next life. This was the problem with the rich young ruler, right? But we see it wasn't the case with the Apostle Paul. So the Apostle Paul was this guy that from a worldly standpoint, he had everything going for him. We know that he studied under the Rabbi Gamaliel, which might not sound like a big deal to anyone here, but you know, like back then this was the equivalent of, of going to Harvard or Yale. And uh, we know that his, his star was on the rise. Galatians 1 tells us that he was, he was advancing among his people. He was gaining a name for himself. He was getting invited to all the right parties and earning the respect of people. And yet, here's what happens. He has this encounter with Jesus Christ. And it causes him to totally recalibrate the race that he's running. And he says, all this, all this stuff that I was chasing before, it's, it's rubbish, it's trash, it's worthless in comparison to knowing Jesus and gaining Christ. And then in verse 12, he goes on to say this. He says, not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, let's read this together, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. You know, it's not that Paul didn't care about other things. It's simply that he knew that Jesus was far better And that's why he went all in, straining forward to what lies ahead. He understood that his time on this earth was finite, and he lived with a deep awareness of what was ahead, of what was in store in the future. And as a result, he was never content to say good enough. One one might read this and think, come on, Paul, what are you talking about? What are you saying you want to gain more of Christ and lay hold of him and press on? Paul, Like, you already have a great relationship with Jesus. I mean, just think about it. Like, you've written all these letters that are going to be considered Scripture, and you've planted churches all over the Roman Empire. I mean, you can ease up. And Paul says, like, are you kidding me? Like, yeah, sure, I'm going to enjoy the present. I mean, this is the day that the Lord has made. Let's rejoice and be glad in it. But I'm not going to live for the here and the now, because everything that this world has to offer is a loss compared to knowing Jesus and gaining him. And so he says, I'm pressing on. I'm straining forward toward the goal of experiencing the fullness of Jesus. And it begs the question for all of us, what are we striving for? What are we devoting our best energy to? Is it it discovering more and more of Jesus and helping others know him? Or is it something else? When, when, When life gets busy, what's the first thing to go? Is it church? Is it small group? Is it personal devotions? Are those the first things on the chopping block? When when people look at our family calendar, what would they conclude is the most important thing in our lives? Would they conclude that it's knowing Jesus? Or would they look at that calendar and say that, well, it kind of leaves the impression that really what's most important to you is climbing the corporate ladder or having your kids get really good at soccer or baseball or some other sport? In a moment, Pastor David's going to come up here and he's going to give us the opportunity to do something really significant to make a three year commitment to a discipleship driven, outreach focused vision. And here's what I want you to know when you, when you take that commitment and, and, and you entrust it to the church, if you do it in faith I really believe that you're not giving it to the church you're giving it to God and and what I want you to know is is that for all of you right now that are are thinking about penciling a a number on that pledge card that's a little scary because it's going to mean that you're taking that money and, and instead of going and buying a a new car, or getting a newer car, or taking some vacations, or updating some furniture around the house, that you're going to be doing something else with it. For, for those of you that are going to write a number that's going to be scary because it's going to mean no, saying, saying no to a lot of those things, I want you to know something else. You're also saying yes. You're saying yes to God. You're saying God As much as I want these other things over here, I want you to know that that I, I actually consider all of them a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. And so I will gladly give them up. I will gladly sacrifice that if it means I get to gain more of Christ and help others do the same thing. That's what this is all about. You know, if, 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 uh, if, if Warren Buffett were to hear this message and just kind of be like so flattered that, that I would think of him in a sermon illustration that he, he decided to, to send our church a check for $4 million. You know, that, that'd be great, but, but this is something I would still want all of us to pray about. It's because what's even more important than building a discipleship center is the spiritual condition of our hearts And and how we steward the stuff that God places in our hands is so connected to the condition of our hearts. And so I wouldn't want any of us to to miss out on the blessing that comes from praying a prayer and maybe taking a step of faith that causes us to experience more of Christ and help others do the same thing. And so as we head into this really significant time in the life of our church, let me say a prayer for you. Spirit of the living God we want to hear from you we want you to come into this and we want you to have your way in us come and change us change what we see and change what we seek God we want to run a race of life that is fully devoted to you And we pray that you would help us to press on toward the goal to win the prize for which you have called us heavenward. May you have first place in our lives. And God, we thank you for all those individuals whose whose names are listed in the bulletin who recently made a, a commitment to be members of your church here. Would you honor that step of faith that they've made and would you bless them and would you use them to make us even healthier as a church? God, we think of the the step of faith that many of us are about to make in the form of a three-year pledge. God, we pray that every person that comes forward would have a full sense of participation in your kingdom work here And God, we pray that our collective sacrifices that are given in faith would bear witness to the fact that we treasure you most of all. And we pray that all that's done here would honor you and be very pleasing to you. And we pray it in the powerful name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.
2: Amen. Thank you, Andrew. One of the quotes on the back of your bulletin that... uh, Andrew put there this morning, is by a missionary named Jim Elliott. Jim Elliott is also known for a, uh, another quote, I've got it on a little plaque in my office, and it goes like this. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. And I think that's true of our time, our finances, our influence, all of life. Today, we draw near to the end of our Beyond Initiative, something that uh, you've heard about over the last couple of months. And certainly, one of our goals is to receive um, the money needed to fully finance all the components of our Beyond Initiative. But one of our great goals, larger goals in this whole process, is that each of us would go beyond where we are in our personal relationship with Jesus Christ, in our devotion to his word and to spiritual growth, in our commitment to a life of prayer that the Holy Spirit would take us beyond where we are. That is exactly what the apostle Paul prays that God would do when he says that he's able to do far abundantly beyond all we could ask or think. I want to stress this morning that what we're undertaking in our Beyond Initiatives is in support of a vision, our Vision 2025 that I hope all of you have read by now. It is, as Andrew mentioned, a discipleship-driven, outreach-focused vision that we think the Lord Himself will find very honoring to His name. I want to ask you to imagine something with me for a moment. Imagine that it's 15 months from now. Do you know in 15 months it'll be 2020? Remarkable? 15 months from now it'll be February, (coughs) excuse me, 2020. And imagine you're driving by this church on a weeknight. You glance over, look at the the property here. You see that two-story discipleship building. The lights are on, cars are parked there. You say to the person in your car, you know, there's always somebody in that building. There's always somebody there. It's being used all the time. You walk in on a Sunday morning and you see people streaming out of that building down the hallway toward the sanctuary and you see a friend you work with and you realize you'd never seen her here at church before and you speak to her and she says, yeah, I heard there's this class on how to read and study the Bible and I've never read the Bible before and I've really enjoyed learning about it. Imagine you stop by our office one weekday afternoon as you, you open the doors to walk through the coffee bar area, you see clusters of students that have dropped by after school and they're gathered in little circles and they're studying some of them, talking or some, A couple of them are even praying together. Imagine young moms that you get out of your car Uh, to come into Noah's Ark one day, and the first thing you notice, your stroller does not stick in the gravel because the parking lot is now paved and you come into the Noah's Ark entrance and what you see is parents sitting around laughing, talking, getting to know other parents while their kids are playing on this phenomenal playground. Imagine over the next three years when we're gathered in worship here as we are this morning, that we're able to share periodic updates. A church in Malawi that has received a new roof. Five new wells dug in remote parts of Kenya. New ministry opportunities at the Challenge Farm. A new church being built in the Gobi Desert of Mongolia because God has chosen to use our abundance to help provide the needs of others. Our Beyond initiative is all about supporting a vision for the coming years. and It's a vision that can only come to pass if we work together, not only in our giving, but in our praying and our devotion, our wholehearted devotion to God and His kingdom. It is a remarkable thing to me that our God, having saved us, then allows us to become partners in the work that he does in his kingdom, partners with one another, but also partners with him. One of the ways we partner is by using our resources. God gives each of us the ability to earn wealth using our hands, using our minds, varying degrees of wealth, and he allows us then to take of that wealth and to invest it in the work of his kingdom. And then he who allowed us to earn it in the first place, then rewards us in this life and throughout eternity for our partnership in this way. I'm reminded of what the Apostle Paul wrote to the Philippian church about an offering he had received, requested and received from them. And he said, it's not that I desire the gift. I desire the fruit that increases to your credit. God actually allows our giving of the wealth that he has given to us to provide fruit that increases to our credit. I want to ask you now to take out your bulletin and look at the card in there that is entitled Beyond Initiative Pledge. You'll find this morning that an envelope is included with it because what you do If anything, with your Beyond Pledge is between you and God. Everybody else doesn't need to see that. Some of you are prepared to uh, give your Beyond Pledge this morning, you've prayed about it, you've thought about it, we've asked you to consider a three-year pledge over and above your regular giving and you've come to peace with what that number is. And in a moment, uh, we'll ask you to come forward and together with Others, here's a show of our solidarity to place the envelope in one of the baskets. Now, you may feel you're already giving all you can to the Lord's work here at River Oaks, and we invite you to participate by prayer. Maybe you're not able to make a financial commitment beyond your giving, and that's okay, but you can pray, and I mean this sincerely. This vision we have will never come to pass without an increased level of prayer among all of us here together. Your prayers are incredibly important to us. And if you feel I can commit to pray but not, not necessarily give, that's okay. Just put the card in the envelope and you can include that as well. Now, if you're just seeing this card today for the first time, I think it's probably best if you don't make some kind of a rush decision, but take it home, pray about it, think about it. If you're married, pray about it with your spouse and you can just drop it in the regular offering basket next week. Some of you uh, have gotten a card online and have given that way and if that's the case, I would encourage you just put the blank card in the envelope and drop it in the basket as we join together in this. And if you're a guest this morning, let me ask that you please bear with us and know that we don't do this every week, but this is an incredibly big deal for us. We have not done this in the almost 13 years that we have been in this building, and this is the day we're taking the step of faith that we've prayed about for a while to bring these pledges uh, to the Lord and submit them to Him. And after we do that, I want to pray a prayer from Scripture just of dedication of these pledges. But first, let me pray briefly before we begin. Father, may we honor You with our lives of prayer, with our giving, with our serving, with the way we love one another. And we offer to You now only of that, which you have first given to us. May you be magnified in what you do here. And we make our prayer in the name of Jesus.